Monday edition of the Killcoin Conversation, and I think you'll enjoy it. We're going in a couple different directions, but it's going to be fun. Kevin Kugler, there's a name you know if you listen to sports on the radio, if you watch sports. He's on Big Ten Network, Westwood One. He's been calling the Final Four for 15, 16 years. He also does uh, NFL on Fox, Sunday games. I think he's with Mark Sanchez. So, Kevin Kugler, longtime sports broadcaster. And if you Google Kugler, which sounds like a a wordplay, he looks like he's about 25. He's always looked really youthful, but he's been doing this for a long time. Based out of Nebraska, Kevin Kugler talking about the power of the NFL. Caitlin Clark, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, it was on Fox Saturday night, and she scored 38 against Maryland. And a friend of mine works on the crew with Gus Johnson, and he said, you need to look it up, but I believe it's 11 sellouts for Caitlin Clark on the road this year. So wherever she goes, this Iowa shooting star, they sell it out. And in Maryland, I guess they, they put the tickets on sale in November, and people were lined up outside in the cold in the morning just to get a ticket. So that that's a fun topic. We'll get into that with Kevin Kugler and also Jim Edmonds on the show, the Cardinals Hall of Famer, with a number of different topics, including the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. The fact that he really, well, he didn't get considered, even though he had a very good career. Now, it's one of those blinks. I, I, I like the blink task. Is somebody a Hall of Famer? And when you tell me Andrew Jones, I say, yes, Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. And then you put his numbers next to Jim Edmonds, very similar, and in some ways they kind of tilt really in Edmonds' favor if you stack them side by side. So we're going to ask Jim whether he even worries about that, whether he would be a coach at any point because we know Molina's making that return. And I think for a while there, Yachty was – very interested in doing the day-to-day, but Jim is also involved with Light Helmets, which is the name of the company, Light, L-I-G-H-T, Helmets, and they're in NFL locker rooms now, college locker rooms. It's a, you know, you've always heard Rydell, I'm trying to think uh, locally out of Illinois, Shoot, S-C-H-U-T-T, if I'm saying that right, but this company he's involved with is making a great helmet that's keeping kids safer at the high school level. And I didn't realize in the NFL, we're so used to teams having a deal. So, like, you're a Nike team. You're an Under Armour team. Well, when it comes to football helmets, it's your choice as a player. You walk into the equipment room and say, yep, I'm going to take that hat, that helmet there, that helmet there. So, number of t- different topics with Jim. A little later, Brendan Weesey and I will talk about his fascination with Live Golf. He was texting me about Live on Sunday. That's what happens when nothing else was on. And it went to a a playoff, a multi-hole playoff, I believe. But what were you watching on Sunday, the week in between for the Super Bowl? I mean, the Pro Bowl was on, but I'm sorry. It's just so bad. We didn't even show highlights on our sports show last night. And I would have if Kyron Williams, the local kid, if he had done something, or if anybody locally had done something well, for sure, we would have put a clip or two on. But I thought, nobody cares that the NFC beat the AFC. I mean, it's just, it was such a slow sports day, and even that to me uh, didn't register. Fun weekend was in D.C. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that I went to Marquette and that and that this year's team is actually pretty good. So a handful of us go to the game. It's the arena where the Wizards play right downtown, and D.C. is just such a happening town. It's, it's, it's fun. But the game was terrible. Because Georgetown's terrible. I mean, really bad. 
And yeah, Ed Cooley left for Providence, got a bunch of money to go turn Georgetown around. It's just his first year. But I don't want to complain because if you're a fan, what do you hate when your team loses? I can't complain, but Marquette won by like 40. The game just was uninteresting, and I don't want to complain because the team won. They're ranked seventh in the country, but we went a long way. And it's, eh, I wouldn't mind seeing a slightly competitive game. It was atrocious. I mean, that's how bad Georgetown is or was. So I'm glad they got the win. I did have an interesting travel experience. I'm going through TSA Saturday morning. And, you know, you go through, and it's random, but they're like, okay, go over there. Okay, nothing beeped or buzzed, but the, the lady said, go over to see that officer. I'm like, I, I took my belt off, I took my shoes off. I'm like, what could it possibly be? And before I could even find out, the guy said, oh, you homeboy from the news. And I said, I'm sorry? He said, you the homeboy from the news. And I said, well, yeah, I, sure, kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, that, that's me. He said, oh, you're all right. Go ahead. I'm like, that's it? So because I'm the homeboy from the news, I got to go through. And I was like, all right. I, at first, I was confused why I was being stopped. And then I was confused why I was being let through. <laughs> but homeboy from the news. And I will say, our, our friends at Southwest, you can get a good deal. And you, they're very reliable. But it's always funny when the, the flight attendant does the jokes, right? So we had the guy doing the jokes on the flight back from D.C., and he would say, all right, thanks so much for flying with us. I enjoyed serving most of you. And just kind of the constant jokes on the PA. And I feel like they're just trying out material. And I always, want, I always wonder what the, what the pilot thinks. Like, oh, not, a, not this again. Not this again. And I'm try, there were a few other, oh, he would just, oh, I'm trying to think of a couple other jokes. But they were just kind of like, not even dad jokes, but kind of like mild insults. Okay, everybody have their seats. Well, unless some of you want to fall into the aisle, that might be fine with you. And then when they landed, he said, and we're here in St. Louis now. Get out. And most people laugh. But I just, it's such a weird thing. And, like, when you get trained at Southwest, I guess you also go to joke school. I guess it's I guess it's part of the deal. I don't know. All right, a little later, we'll talk it over, the sports of the weekend, Brendan Weesey and I. And then in between, it's Jim Edmonds and Kevin Kugler. It's Jim Edmonds, the Cardinals Hall of Famer, here to talk Football. We've got props. We've got helmets. Did you play? You played high school. Yes, football, sir. Didn't you? Quarterback. Yep. Quarterback. Free safety a little bit. What kick, kind of quarterback? Did it all. Running, throwing. Uh, probably running. I was too short to see over the line. Really? So I had to run a little bit. I threw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You get hit a lot. Yeah. A okay. lot. And is that why you switched to baseball? Or no? Yeah. Just better. No, I was baseball. just too small. I got some inform- I got a lot of interest uh, coming out of high school, but I was always interested in baseball. All right. Well, you have helmets here, so you're involved. You're part of the ownership, I guess, with yes. Light Helmet. It's L I G H T. It's fitting name, right? Because this is a lighter model. Tell us about this. Yeah, this is a new and improved version of uh, the the same football helmets that are out there. There was a guy named Bill Simpson. He was probably one of the innovators of all of the safety. Um, uh, situation for NASCAR, for, for Formula One, for Indy. He's got over a hundred of the safety regulations came from him. Well, he started this company way back when and couldn't get it off the ground with football. He tried to come to the United States and do it, didn't know enough about football. We, through some friends, got lucky enough to purchase this company for basically pennies on the dollar. It took us a few years to ramp it up a little bit and then COVID hit. COVID was over with, uh, we really got going and now we're starting to build some momentum now that we have some investors. We need more investors if you want uh, to get involved. It's really interesting. But 
what they have done here is they have made this special technology that they use in NASCAR and they use in uh, auto racing all the way around. And it is basically a beaded system on the inside. I have a, a thing here, but basically we're just trying to reduce concussions. concussions. And uh, you know, most of the concussions, especially for kids, high school, especially the 14 and under and the uh, Pop Warner kids, they uh, get a lot of concussions from their heads snapping back. It's because the weight of a helmet for a lot of these kids is somewhere between five and six pounds. Our Pop Warner helmet is three pounds an hour, striving to make it lighter, um, but our NFL helmet is only four pounds at its heaviest. Most of them about three and a half to 3.7 pounds. So if you think about that, you're taking two pounds off the shoulders of guys in the NFL, all the way down to 10-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old kids. It is definitely a safer situation for the whiplash that they get from snapping their heads back. So it lessens the impact, too, when you have a lighter helmet. So tell me about uh, NFL teams are using it, college teams are using it? Yeah, we have, uh, now we just officially, we're in our 18th um, locker room as of this week. And uh, we have probably 25, 30 different colleges using it. We don't have full teams. We have a few full teams in high school. Uh, interesting fact, we had an entire team switch over in Southern California. The year before, they had 17 concussions. Last year, this year, basically they had two. And those are just, you can't stop them all, but we're here trying to prevent them. And I just really got on board once we kind of broke through the mold, broke through the market. I just think it's a really interesting um, conception. And, and I, to be honest with you, there's no doubt in my mind that I would put my kid in this helmet after seeing what we've done, the safety tests that we go through. Virginia Tech is the number one uh, rated system for safety for football helmets, and they give out stars. Well, we're a five star, and our Gladiator helmet, which is in the NFL, is ranked number two out of the 20 helmets or so that are made for that level. So this is obviously a business venture, but you as an athlete had concussions, had yeah. concussion issues. Is part of this too like a passion to avoid that for anybody who can? Yeah, it's interesting. I had concussions in high school. I had uh, concussions playing baseball. We look at the thing that even like Mike Matheny went through with all the foul tips and all the, they said all the diving and everything. So concussions are a part of any kind of sport. But what we're trying to do is reduce them. And we feel that the way this is made um, and now how light it is and safe, we have a safety, uh, the mask is lighter, safer, more durable. And our helmets are made out of um, the same stuff that they use in the military now with the carbon fiber. And some are made out of poly and then some are made out of nylon. Just depends on what level you're at. The NFL helmets are actually made out of nylon which is built more for the speed of the game at the NFL level versus putting that on the kids is, is, doesn't really make any sense. All right, so for the high school coaches, peewee coaches, anybody watching right now, they just go to the website if they want to find out more about it? Yeah, you can go to uh, lighthelmet.com and read about it. You can read all over the internet about it. You can even Google uh, it on uh, Virginia Tech's uh, safety ratings uh, websites. You can go onto my Instagram. I have a little thing going on there. You can read all about the company and then I have a little 15% off thing. But uh, you know, the more you buy, the better. And um, like I said, if, if we can reduce concussions for a few people here and there and we can get some traction, I think this is gonna be a really special uh, a special deal. All right, since you're here, we do, we do need to talk a little Cardinal baseball. Still affiliated with the team. You've got the red jacket. You're a part of the broadcast booth. I thought of you when Molina came back to coach. I thought, would Edmonds ever want to, you wouldn't want to do day to day. And you're still involved a little bit, right? I mean, I think that if I didn't have kids, 
um, the age they're at, I would think about it. I really do. I think the game needs it. I think there's not enough quality control in the way we're um, doing things at, at every level. You know, I've had to pull my son away from a team. He's 17 now at Desmet because I just, they weren't learning anything at the ages of, at below 14, below high school. And it's frustrating when you have a guy that basically just comes home from a nine to five job, doesn't really know anything about baseball, but he wants to coach his, his kid and they put him in places where at those ages, be, I, I feel between like 10 and 12 and 13, they should be at least getting the basics down. And when you're not getting that, I see kids going into high school that have no idea what to do other than play catch and hit. Uh, I think that's a struggle for baseball right now, and I still see it at the big league level. You see guys are learning at the big league level, and there's sometimes there's coaches up there that really don't get or grasp the, the type of game that's at the big league level because they never played there. Can a guy like Molina come in part-time and go in that clubhouse and be an influence? Because I know they, the team has said, we're looking for leadership, we're looking for voices, and we know his resume speaks for itself. But if he's not there every day, can he still go in there and do oh, that? 100%. Uh, Yachty is like what um, you want as far as the thing like Jose Oquendo, right? He did everything. You know, he taught base running, infield, super smart, teach you how to slide. He'll teach you how to throw. He's somebody you can just really get the game explained um, from. That's Yachty. Yachty knows first base. He's just paid attention to what Okendo said. He obviously knows hitting, pitching, catching. And I think he's a great asset for anybody to, to have along there. And it's just something like you can see guys that played certain positions, but they just played those positions. Then you can see guys that played certain positions actually had to learn the game. The catcher is one of those things. You can't really just half-ass being a catcher. You have to kind of get it all together. I thought for shortstop, center field's kind of the same thing. You want to know what everyone's doing and what's going on, and you can't really play the game unless you're kind of diving all in, and that's what Yachty did. And part of what the Cardinals are trying to do, whether it's a Lance Lynn who can be kind of cranky or edgy, whatever you want to call it, some of these guys they're bringing in, Arnado and Goldschmidt are kind of quiet guys, right? I mean, you know them pretty well, and they just do their thing. You can watch them and say that's the way to go about it, 100% professional. But it's not every player, even if you're a superstar, it's not everybody's game maybe to be loud. Yeah. or Mark or, McGuire. I learned a lot from Mark, and he never really said a whole lot um, when it was time to like you know step up. He just led from an example. He worked hard every day. He let you follow him around. He spoke to people individually, and he just did his thing. And if you did what Mark McGuire was doing, you were going to be doing pretty well, right? So that's what um, Nolan and Goldie do, I think. They're, I think they speak, and they... Uh, behind the scenes, they're out there helping kids, the younger players. But at the same time, if you just watch them play, they're playing the way that the game is supposed to be played, and that's what you learn from. You never left St. Louis. I know you travel around a little bit. What is it about? The, I mean, you're from California. The waves and the sun. What, what the, are you doing? It's the what weather. Are you doing here? The weather yeah. here is amazing. What are you doing here? Yeah. Well, the kids are in school, so you know, once they got kind of rooted into their school system. I, uh, I just kind of stayed here. It, it's, the weather is wearing a little bit on my, my wife, who is from Laguna Beach, so uh, it's a little trying at times, but lots of, lots of vacation days for us. But I love the community. I love you know, being around the baseball field, and now that Landon is in high school, it's interesting to watch from a different level. Uh, he's, a, he's a junior this year at DeSmet. That's fun to be a part of that sporting lifestyle as far as it's a different level. They're pushing for you know being... They were division champions uh, last year, you know, trying to be state champion. That's kind of cool to watch. And I kind of get in there with the kids and let them come over and hit, teach them a little bit. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And then 
I also have a little one who's about to be six, and uh, he's a monster. He is going to be, <laughs> he's going to be the the one to watch. Somebody said the other day, uh, Tim McKernan said to me the other day, "Can we buy stock in in, in your five-year-old?" And I said, "I don't know if that's possible, but." Yeah, Buy into light one. helmets yeah. first. You know, the iconic photo was the Sporting News cover where it was Chris Pronger, yep. Kurt Warner, yourself there. And it just seemed like that was a special time. When you first got here, the Rams were great. You got to know the Blues. You'd go to Blues games. Oh, yeah. And that seemed like you kind of immersed yourself, not just in St. Louis, but with the other teams, the other athletes in town. Yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, it's changed a little bit. I don't think the guys are as close as they used to be. You saw a lot of hockey games with Yachty and Wayno there. It's kind of the old school version. Um, but when I was here, we were everybody was good. We all got along. We all hung out. We watched each other play. Um, you know, the game has changed a lot with COVID. Obviously, you can't get downstairs as much. Um, but we're still there. I'm still, you know, going to Blues games. We had season tickets. I'm cheering them on. And you know, obviously, uh, Chris Pronger's still in town, so he's still embedded in the community. And uh, his whiskey's doing really well. If you haven't tried that, I would give that a try. Oh, that's all yeah. he talks about. Yeah. That's all he talks about. <laughs> well, I, I I told him the other day. I was like, I really have to buy this at Trader Joe's. You yes. can't give me any. No, you got to so, buy. It. Yeah. So he's got a venture. My light helmets uh, now. I think um, you know, with our group that we put together. Uh, I think it's a really good program, and I'm hoping to really push, uh, you know, we're based out of Carlsbad right now, but I'm trying to push the St. Louis people to understanding that this is a safer, uh, educate the people here, and this is a safer version of helmets for the kids in this area, high schools especially in Pop Warner. We don't have an NFL team, but I'll take uh, responsibility for trying to push it on the, the younger players. All right, a final thought. When Scott Rowland got into Cooperstown Hall of Fame, it was after they kind of re-reviewed his career. You fell off the ballot quickly. We we're all sort of surprised at that. Almost 400 home runs, eight gold gloves. Do you think there'll be a moment where they kind of revisit your candidacy? It seems like they're doing a better job of going back and seeing if somebody slipped through the cracks. Well, I don't really know if that's going to happen. I, I, and I'm not saying this just because of me, but I think this, the system is very flawed. I think you've got a bunch of writers that don't really watch baseball as a whole because they're kind of embedded into their area. Right? One team. Yeah, they're, got, they're watching their team, and so you're not seeing guys on the West Coast or you're not seeing guys on the East Coast when you're on the West Coast. And I don't really think they care. I think it's a it's a popular vote. I don't think there's, you know, the steroid era. We have four of the best players that ever played the base to play baseball ever, um, stuck off the ballot, and then you got guys that are in the Hall of Fame that have we all know that have done steroids. They're within so, the game, you guys know better. Yeah. So um, I, I really don't like the situation. I really do think it should be the way the. Uh, Veterans Committee is now. I truly believe that should be how the voting is done. I think it should be made up of a lot of ex-coaches and ex-players and get down and have meetings and look at the numbers and see who's worthy and see who's not. And maybe sometimes you don't see the numbers because of injuries or something, but somebody that dominated for, like a Sandy Koufax, right? Dominated for X amount of years, couldn't leave him off. Matt Holliday, one and done, I don't think that's fair either. Don't know if he's an actual Hall of Famer, but he definitely deserves a, a few years on the ballot. Do you care? Does it matter to you? I mean, you would. I did when I initially got on the ballot right now, but I've put, completely put it out of my mind. Like, I was shocked the other day that uh, the vote went through and those guys made it because I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I've kind of removed myself from that situation. So, that's kind of part of the reason why I think this is interesting for me because it's something sports related, health related, and it's good for the kids. And, for me, my life right now is all about my wife and my kids, and so this is why I took this project on. So I have a lot of fun right now. Fun to catch up with Jim Edmonds on the show. When we come back, it's Kevin Kugler from Westwood One. He calls the Final Four 
NFL on Fox, Big Ten Network. You've seen him. You've heard him for years. We'll talk sports with Kevin Kugler. First, a word about AAA Home Services, your independent American standard heating and air conditioning dealer. They've been around St. Louis now for 54 years. How about that? And right now is the best time to get those rebates. If you're in the market for a new furnace, now is the time. Take advantage of these great rebates, best deals of the year going on right now at AAA Home Services. You hear me talking about it all the time. What are your home service needs? Plumbing, electrical, appliance repair. How about if one company takes care of all of those? That's what AAA Home Services is all about. Of course, your heating and cooling, but on top of that, plumbing, electrical, appliance repair. It's aaastl.com. Find out more about those great rebates. aaastl.com. And when you need to set up an appointment, call 636-397-3200. 636-397-3200. AAA Home Services for all your home needs, and especially right now, if you're in the market for a new furnace, check out those great rebates. Right now on the line with us, Kevin Kugler from Fox Sports, Big Ten Network, Westwood One. You know his voice, you know his face. We've heard and seen him for years. And I, I guess, Kevin, how do you introduce yourself if I say Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, Westwood One? Uh, yes, check all those boxes. But you wear a lot of hats. I do, and I, I don't. You know, I don't know that I've ever introduced myself. Um, with anything other than saying Kevin Kugler, I figure if you uh, if you need to know the hat I'm wearing, I will happily tell you that. But it is a uh, it depends on the day. Am I a radio guy? Am I a TV guy? I guess I'm both. Well, and you've done it for a long time, calling the Final Four, calling the NFL. How how much do you transition when it's radio or TV? How much do you change your performance or delivery? I, I change quite a bit because radio is such a different technique and such a different skill. For a play-by-play person, you've got to be able to describe what's happening. You've got to be able to give time, score, all of the stuff that you see on the scorebook. I have to provide to a radio audience that cannot see what's going on. So I tailor my call quite a bit for radio. It's certainly more of a play-by-play person's medium. Television is an analyst's medium, and my job there is to make sure I hit the home run call, but also make sure my analyst gets what he or she needs in doing their job. So I have to set them up correctly i talked with them beforehand what's important to you not as much from the radio side i still want to know what's important to my analyst but it's there's just so much more involvement for a play-by-play on radio versus tv how many games a year are you doing between college basketball and nfl and you do baseball and all i mean it feels like you're doing as much or more than anybody out there yeah, I, I mean, I've I've put together a nice little schedule over the course of the years. I think this year I ended up with, oh gosh, 27, 28 NFL games, counting preseason. Um, college basketball be well north of 50 by the time the tournament hits. And then obviously the NCAA tournament's a, a chunk more. Uh, six in one weekend, three the next two. So, you know, another 12. So I'll end up with 60 or 65 college basketball games over the course of the year, probably 15 Major League Baseball games, a little bit of UFL spring football, uh, you know, all of the all of the usual stuff that I fill in on my on my slower time. But it's it's probably somewhere in the 100-game mark by the wow. time it's all said and done. That's, they got At the Omaha airport, they have to know you. Here he comes again. They where are you, where <laughs> are you headed? Oh, no, Penn State. That's going to be tough. Like, they, they... Yeah, they, I, I, can, I, I will say that the folks at TSA at Omaha do a great job, and most of them know me by, uh, <laughs> by face, if not by name, and uh, are not ever surprised to see me at, at 6 a.m. or at 6 p.m. Have you had a Caitlin Clark game this year or last? 
in your Big Ten uh, I've had I've had a Caitlin Clark game before, not this year. I have one coming up uh, in early March. I am I she's she is the most she is the most prominent figure in collegiate sports. I don't care what sport, I don't care men's or women's. She is the number one superstar in collegiate sports. I'm trying to think of anything phenomenon-wise that it, it compares to. I, though I keep thinking Larry Bird. You're a little younger than me, but I remember when it happened. It was like, whoa, college basketball was changing. It was different because of one person. Uh, and I don't know that if that's even a good comp, but maybe there isn't a comp for what she's doing. I'm not sure there is, especially in the current landscape of college basketball, where players move from team to team. They never seem to be able. The best ones aren't there long enough to really establish themselves as a huge face on the college basketball scene. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's a, it's a rarity that we have a four year superstar. And that's really what Caitlin Clark is. She's a four year superstar that has captured college sports at a time where we've really needed someone to wear the face that carry the, the torch for collegiate athletics. And that's what Caitlin Clark has become. I, I think it's the, I think it's the best story going in collegiate sports right now. And she is just a phenomenal watch. And so rarely does she not deliver. You know, you go see a star play, and every once in a while that star is off. Caitlin Clark is rarely falling short of what she wants and what your fans want to see. I think I read 11 road sellouts. and You're right. Like, if she did a load management night, can you imagine? They'd go bananas. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, isn't it funny that it's not even an option? Like, at the NBA level, There's- we just accept it. No, and there's there's they're they're playing in Lincoln uh, on Sunday. My colleague Jason Benetti is doing the game on Fox, and so Super Bowl Sunday, you've got Caitlin Clark in Lincoln. I saw today that there's tickets going for sale for over eleven hundred dollars in Lincoln to go watch an Iowa basketball player play the game. I mean, if any you you all know this in the Midwest, there are great rivalries between Midwestern states. Nebraska and Iowa certainly share that sort of disdain for one another, the fact that somebody is thinking they can get $1,100 for a Nebraska fan to go see an Iowa player play is remarkable. I'm a local TV guy with Fox here. I've been the sports director here for a long time. And when that clash at the Coliseum, the NASCAR race gets bumped from Sunday mm-hmm. to Saturday, my first assumption was, oh, well, they'll throw that on primetime. They'll put it on Fox. And I'm like, wait a minute. They can't because they had the Caitlin Clark game with Gus and company calling it in Maryland, I'm like, that's that's just unheard of where a women's basketball game, and I don't know what the contract says, but in the past, I would just assume, well, NASCAR just trumps all, but but not in this case. All right, I have to I have to make a confession to Kevin. I've never been to the state of Nebraska. I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to Omaha or Lincoln. Uh, you went to Lincoln, and you still live in Nebraska, and I would, I would like to go, if I went, should I go to a Lincoln? I should probably go to a football game, right, in Lincoln? Yeah. I mean, that's there are the two headline sporting events you should do. If you're not going to the College World Series in June, which is certainly an event you should attend in Omaha, uh, and by the way, daily nonstop flights on Southwest Airlines from St. Louis, it's a 45-minute flight. I mean, come on, Martin, what are we doing There's here? no excuse. But if you're, no, there's really no excuse. But uh, College World Series is the first thing I would tell you to go see. It's just such a unique collegiate event. If you love college sports, even if you're not a college baseball fan, you will be after you've been to that event. It's it's a remarkable, fun, entertaining three hours. You can still get in for relatively cheap. 
sit out in the bleachers, enjoy a cold beverage, watch baseball on a hot day in Omaha. That's a good way to go. And then Nebraska football is obviously the engine that drives the sports motor in that. It, it's, it's what makes sports go in Nebraska. Nebraska football obviously hasn't been very good for several years now. Still trying to figure out a way to get to a bowl game, if you can believe that, over the last six years. But uh, they are, you know, every year, hope springs eternal. So they're hoping that 2024 is the year things get back on track. I mean, it was so dominant. Tom Osborne and even Solich had some pretty good teams, and I think that's been revisited over the years. Hey, maybe 9-3 and three wasn't all that bad. How frustrated is the Nebraska football fan that – especially the older ones like this is not how it ever was before i mean that, that's got to be a recurring theme uh, I, I don't think there's any question about it. you know bo Pelini in his tenure as head coach won nine games every year and that was sort of the standard set by tom osborne for all those years nebraska at least won nine games frank solich when he went seven and seven in 2002 that was really the impetus that saw him get fired despite a 10 and three season in 2003 and then the bill callahan era and then Bo Pelini came in and won nine every year again, and they didn't like his attitude, so they shipped him out, and they haven't been close to that since. So it's incredibly frustrating for the older Nebraska fans. The younger generation, I'll be honest with you, my daughters went through school in in Omaha, the elementary, middle, and high schools, before they went off on their various paths to college, and you didn't see the Nebraska shirts in school like you did when I went to school. It just was not the thing you did. It was It's such a national sport now, and Nebraska wasn't relevant, really, for an entire generation of sports fans in that state. I would think part of the fun, your job, you're calling games, and you get to work with various people. Bill Raftery, we've had him on the show. And Is there any comp for him in terms of character and flavor? He is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I, I've been so fortunate, Martin, with, with – analysts that I've worked with over the years, especially on the basketball side, not to discount any of my football analysts because I have many who are good friends, but Bill Raftery is in a class all by himself, one of the great human beings I've ever worked with. He embraced me right away when I first started doing the Final Four all the way back in 2008, and it was a three-man booth with Coach John Thompson and Bill Raftery and me as a you know wet-behind-the-ears kid just trying to figure out what he was doing on that stage with two people who were legends in the sport and he embraced me from the very moment I showed up. He couldn't have been kinder to me. He has always been someone I consider a friend, but I I don't know anybody who doesn't consider Bill Raftery a friend. I I think when you are around Bill Raftery for a moment, he makes it feel like you've been around him for a lifetime. And that's a gift, a rare gift indeed, but that's Bill Raftery. He is everybody's friend. He is the life of every party. He tells amazing stories. He is, he's just, he's just a gem of a human being. And it's funny because he's gotten older, but it feels like he's bigger now. And I know he's doing CBS and the, 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 the main games, but it does, I think he's 80 now and it doesn't seem to matter. Like it's interesting where his star seemed to keep rising, even though he got older in a business where it's often the opposite. It, it is. It's really rewarding for me to see, because when you know the person, you know the work he puts in. Even at, at this point in his career, it'd be very easy for Bill Raftery to just be Bill Raftery, not do the work, show up, say onions, everybody would think it was great, everybody's grandfather in the booth. But he still puts in the work. He does the homework. He watches the tape. He writes his notes. He's, he is still grinding like he did when he started this, even though there's no scenario in which Bill Raftery would have to grind like he does. But he still does those regular games twice a week on FS1, CBS. He's, he's everywhere, and he doesn't have to do that 
but he values the job, he values the sport, and so to do it justice, he does it the right way. And that maybe is what I admire about him the most is the fact that even if he, even though he didn't have to do it, he still does the work the way you're supposed to. Kevin Kugler, our guest, voice of the Final Four on Westwood One. You see him on the NFL on Fox, Big Ten Network. Uh, the only guy who pops up on your TV more this time of year is probably Robbie Hummel. I swear he's at every <laughs> he's at every Big Ten. I swear they're just faxing him from town to town, and he's doing every game. Uh, is there any? I wouldn't say favored for you, though, but like you do professional sports with the NFL. We do a lot of college. Can you enjoy them equally? Is there something a little different out of each? There, there, there absolutely is something different out of each, but I do enjoy them equally. I, I've always been, Martin, kind of a season guy. Like, okay, this is the season that I'm in right now, so I'm all in on football or I'm all in on basketball or whatever that season happens to be. Um, and, and it's the same with college or pro. I, I do mostly NFL now during the fall. In fact, I do only NFL now in the fall for Fox, and when you spend 18 weeks of your season with one crew, if you don't, fortunately, I love Mark Sanchez, on our sideline reporter, we, we off the field, off the show, and so it makes it better on the show, and I can say the same about a lot of my college basketball analysts. You, you mentioned Robbie, who I believe has actually been cloned two or three times, because you're right, he's, I think he does three or four games a day. Uh, and he does a tremendous job. He's one of the brightest stars in the analyst game in college basketball right now. And I, I love working with Robbie. I love working with Stephen Bardo. Sean Morris I've worked with for years on the Big Ten Network. He's an absolute delight. Nick Baugh, I think, is a young up-and-comer that has really been burst on has burst onto the scene in recent years with Fox, and I think he's tremendous. There's just so many really good basketball analysts right now that I'm fortunate enough to work with and call friends. And I, I'm telling you, it's uh, – it's a real joy. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm working in the candy store, as, as we all are who work in the world of sports television or sports radio, and I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's, it's just a delight every day. It really is. Who were your influences? Were you watching network TV, or could you pick up a Vikings game, or I'm trying to think of your proximity to Kansas City. Like, who did you listen to? Well, see, I was a so I grew up my for my youngest years. We were in a small town in eastern Colorado, and then we moved into Nebraska – by the time I got into middle school. So I was a baseball fan. That's always that's sort of my first sport. Um, and then they started throwing balls that broke out of the zone, and that was the end of my baseball career. But I loved baseball. I loved, I loved the thought behind it. And so when you were a baseball fan, growing up in a small town in eastern Colorado, you had two choices. You had Braves games, you had Cubs games. And Cubs games were always on during the day. They were always on at one twenty in the afternoon or in mountain time, 12.20 in the afternoon. And so I would get home from school, and I'd watch the end of the Cubs game on WGN, and then I would move on with my day. And that, that's how they hooked an entire generation of fans with the Chicago Cubs. So I watched a lot of Harry Carey. And then as I became more of a baseball fan and started thinking about broadcasting, we were fortunate in that there was a time in the early days of Dish Network satellite television that you could get the so-called Superstation package. And so I picked up KTLA, from Los Angeles, and I lived on Dodger games, and I lived watching Vin Scully do games. Vin Scully was just the most masterful storyteller, and I was captivated by the fact that if I would watch Vin Scully broadcast a Cubs game, even though I watched more Cubs games than anything else, I would learn something about the Cubs that I didn't know from watching the Cubs game from Vin Scully. And I always thought that was the most fascinating thing, that a local broadcaster would teach about the other team and tell stories about the other team with the same frequency as he did his own team. And I, I've always have had a ton of respect 
for how that was done by someone who was purportedly a, quote, team broadcaster, although we all know Vince Kelly was more of a national voice doing a team. It's funny, my kids will run home from school, all of a sudden they're in front of the TV, and whether it's Netflix or YouTube or Fortnite or what, I'm always like, get outside, get outside. And then I think back, when I was 11, 12, 13, I was, I was running home and watching Harry Carey and Steve Stone. I mean, I was, I was yeah. in front of the TV. Just, I, I guess I valued it more since it was a sport. Not that I was playing it, but that I was watching it. We, it is, it's funny. That's a whole generational it, thing. It, it's, funny to, it's funny to think that I learned about baseball more from Steve Stone probably than anybody else. <laughs> and he's still going. It's unbelievable. Yep. I know. It makes me feel younger. All right, tell me about NFL, just the power. You're doing the Fox games now. Have you ever done a Super Bowl on radio? No, I've not. That's that's been Kevin Harlan for a lot of years. He does a tremendous job uh, with that. So no, I, I'm fortunate every year. Even after I left weekly with Westwood One, I did Sunday Night Football for a lot of years before the Fox job came along. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough that Westwood One still lets me come back and play on Thursday nights and play uh, in the playoffs uh, some games for them. And so that's been always a, a real treat for me. But yeah, it's I mean having the chance to be a part of the NFL in any way, shape, or form. It's clearly the biggest thing in American sports, and to be affiliated with it in any way is just outstanding. It's just getting bigger. I mean, I know people in St. Louis are still bitter. The Rams left. There's a whole bunch of – that's a whole nother PTSD we can go down. But I think just in the last five to ten years, it feels the model, the product, the popularity. We look at those TV numbers coming out of the playoffs. I don't know that it can get bigger, but it feels like it's, it's currently as big as it's ever been. Uh, when you have 57 million people watching an NFC championship game, I mean, it is, it's it, it, in an ever-changing television landscape where nothing gets watched at the same frequency that it did before. Remember, when, shoot, when we were growing up, you always had, oh, big, you know, fall TV preview, preview week, and it was all the new shows that would roll out every fall on the networks, and we'd watch and see what we liked and what we didn't like. Those, those days are long gone. Everything's so divided, like you said, Netflix, YouTube, whatever people were watching stuff on, now they'll find a way to watch it, except the NFL. The NFL grows in audience when everything else seems to diminish in audience right now. It's a remarkable phenomenon. I don't know how much more it can go up, but it seems like every year it finds new ways to reach new heights. And it seems to me that even when the teams are bad, the games are good. So if they if they somehow give you one of those Thursday night clunkers as a matchup, you go, eh, I don't know if I really want to watch those teams play. But then all of a sudden, oh, the last drive, if they could just get one more first down, they'll have a shot at a 58-yard field. They might win. They might have a chance. I, it's something about that. I'm not saying it's scripted, but it's unbelievable how just the games rarely disappoint, even if the players and the teams – they're not all superstars, but somehow the matchup always plays out. We we had a full schedule of 18 games as we've had for the last several years, and I, I think this year we had the most competitive schedule of games that our crew has ever had. I mean, it seemed like every single game went down to the final two minutes. We had two or three that you would walk away from and say, okay, that was kind of a dog, that was kind of a clunker, that one just, you know, somebody won lopsided. But, I mean, even we even had the 0-0 Vikings-Raiders game that ended up with a 3 nothing win for Minnesota, and that was compelling in its ineptitude from an <laughs> offensive standpoint. There was, a, there, that, there was something absolutely sicko about that game <laughs> where you were kind of 
look, I, I don't have a rooting interest in these games. You know that. Everybody who's around the business knows that. But I was, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of rooting for a scoreless overtime. I wanted to see what would happen. Would, would the earth tilt off its axis if we had a scoreless overtime? It's never happened before. I was kind of hoping that it would happen for the first time. I love how your Twitter account says, yes, I hate your team. I'm always rooting for the opponent because Joe Buck has had this discussion. We've talked about it many times. And he just couldn't win, especially if the Cardinals were in the playoffs and he had to call the game and he had to play it neutral. And be like, he hates the Cardinals. But do you hear it more from college fans or NFL fans? Who's louder when they say, you hate my team? Uh, I'm living in the college world right now, so I, I would say college at the moment. You, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Nebraska fans are ruthless when it comes to that stuff. Maybe it's because they know where I am because I've been there for so long, <laughs> but my goodness, it's just not, it's a nonstop barrage of, oh, he went here, so he's really tilting his bias towards the other team. It's just, it's so silly. Uh, NFL season, it really depends on the fan base, to be honest with you. There are some that are more sensitive than others to somebody saying something about their team one way or the other. I, I, I tell people this all the time. We care about two things. We care that we have a good game and that our flights are on time. Those are the only two <laughs> things we ever care about when it comes to getting into a broadcast booth for a game. And we had a lot of, you know, after we have mainly afternoon games on, on our Fox package. And we just want to get to the airport on time and catch our flight. And we're hoping that we have a good game to talk about for those several hours. That's fun. That's compelling. That's exciting. And then we want to be on the plane. That's the only two things that ever matter to anybody who's in this business. Give us a great game and then make sure the flight's on time. And let's end with that. What's your plan this week? Tell folks where you're headed, what games you have over the next six days. It's a, it's a lighter week, to be honest with you. I've got Wisconsin. I had four games last week. So wow. last week I bounced from Indiana to Purdue to Nebraska to Michigan State. This week I've got Wisconsin-Michigan on Wednesday. I've got Michigan in a return at Nebraska on Saturday, and then then it really ramps up from there. Because right? after we'll have about twelve games in the month of February. Well, and none of them are easy to get to. You know, the, the Big East primarily you're talking bigger cities for the most part, but then you get into the Big Ten. You're like, wait a minute, how do I get to State College? And even Lansing is not the easy. It's unbelievable how the Big Ten. You got to when you're traveling like you are though. You got to work a little bit. I, I do a little more driving, especially when I'm in the middle part of the Big Ten. I'm fascinated to see what happens next year. You know, that Oregon to Piscataway doubleheader is going to be a bit <laughs> tricky for me. Uh, yeah, you would be going both ends of the country. That's right. Kevin, so much fun to have you on the show. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Martin. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed that visit. I don't know Kevin very well. We've had him on the show in the past. A friend of mine works with him on the crew and says he's exactly, as you can tell, during the broadcast, just kind of an upbeat, friendly guy. Hopefully you enjoyed that visit as well. Kevin Kugler with us. Missouri Athletic Club, two different locations. Same theme, both downtown and out west. Great service, great food, fitness opportunities, things for the kids. All of it's true at both locations. Downtown since 1903, the historic building on Washington Avenue. Out west, it's the clubhouse. Kids are outdoors swimming in the summer, but year-round you can play racquetball, pickleball, tennis, or take lessons. It's never too late to learn one of these sports, so you get yourself in shape, or you can meet your friends and do some business. Having lunch or dinner, that 1903 bar out west is sensational. So two different clubhouses, one club. The Missouri Athletic Club, for everything, kids, family, great food, great service, place to connect for doing business or just entertaining your family, maybe Easter brunch, all of it, one spot. It's the Missouri Athletic Club, MAC. 
stl.org. I was talking about what a slow sports Sunday it was, and yet Brendan Weesey, sports director, KTRS, texted me about that live golf. You were locked and loaded on the CW, weren't you? We were. What a big day for KPLR 11, uh, getting the show live where it was unopposed by any other professional golf like the PGA Tour. They were rained out out at Pebble Beach. They had that atmospheric river moving in to the Pebble Beach, which I think did some damage to the, uh, the, the golf course there at the Pebble Beach Golf Links. But that left live unopposed. It, it was, I mean, I was interested just to see their broadcast, which they did have some innovations that I found added something to the broadcast. I mean, you can't deny the star power at the top of the leaderboard. You had John Rahm, his first tournament with Liv, Sergio Garcia, Joaquin Neiman, and a, a, a great trio. Man, if that happened on the PGA Tour, wow, what a Sunday. But it's on Liv. I think it takes away quite a bit. I just can't really get into it. But it was really the only live sporting event on the college basketball really didn't draw me in yesterday other than Purdue and Wisconsin early. Illinois, Nebraska later in the evening. But, yeah, that uh, that drew me in during the afternoon. And live golf is – I think they want to be mainstream. So here's a question. Should I be showing highlights week in, week out, or should I just show it when it's a big moment like that because you had a good leaderboard and Garcia's in that uh, playoff? I don't know. I'm not sure – where we are, what what our sports consumption is out there. People are wanting it. If you were going to show it and you didn't show it last night, you're never going to show it. I don't it. know where your opportunities <laughs> and because you've been saying it the last few days, it, this is truly the uh the calm before the storm when it comes to St. Louis sports. Blues revving back up this weekend. Battle Hawks start up. Uh, we just got the schedule today. Cardinal spring training starting. City is on the on the runway here, they're getting ready to take off just in a couple of weeks with with the Champions Cup. Even with college basketball, really at least for SLU and Mizzou stinking, um, we're going to rev it up big time. So yeah, Liv is going to quickly move to the back uh, of the back burner. We also had the Battle Hawks Monday morning announcement. UFL put out the entire schedule. So for our Battle Hawks fans out there, it's official. Opening game will be March 30th. That's on the road at the Michigan Panthers, formerly coached by Jeff Fisher, which they are not anymore. And no. their coach is on—I uh, don't remember. But that game, <laughs> that game will be on Fox Two on March 30th. Then fast forward, home opener Saturday, April the sixth, against the Arlington Renegades. I think that is the Bob Stoops vehicle, his team. That's also the night that City plays. Cardinals play that day, April sixth downtown. Good thing we don't have the final four, Brendan, because we wouldn't be. Able, we Holy cow. I don't know where we'd put it. We just we wouldn't have time for it. Uh, Fox has four of the you ten. Four, yeah. Four of the ten battle. Over your battle games. hawks, Fox two. Yeah, home of the home of the battle hawks. This is true. <laughs> that opener on the thirtieth. That's the same weekend. The Cardinals are in L.A. with the Dodgers. So this Man. is truly yeah. uh, the calm before the storm. It's not official, and I know it's popping up a couple of places, social media, that St. Louis will host the UFL championship. I believe that to be true. I think they're just waiting to announce it. It's, I guess, it, the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. I don't know how you could have this league again and not let St. Louis – because it's not a home team. They, they pick a site. Last time I think it was San Antonio maybe last year. I don't I think that's right. 
So St. Louis is going to host at the Dome the UFL Championship. It'd be even better. That might be the game because we keep saying, oh, the Battlehawks say, oh, they're going to fill the Dome. I, I don't know that you can. But if they make that game, maybe that's the one yeah, time maybe. everybody just kind of says, oh, what the hell? I've right. never been. I'll go. Well, tonight, in, in mere moments, Monday Night Raw from Enterprise Center, WWE, The Rock, who has been thrust into the main storyline leading up to WrestleMania, could be there tonight. Does he make a, a further Battlehawk announcement there to oh my. rev up the St. Louis crowd? When he gets the mic. So are you telling me... Right now, over we got it. We got to be recording the Rock's appearance just in case you he drops. He drops some news. Need to be running tape over okay. at the uh, at the world headquarters. My sources say Luis is there from our staff, so maybe he can chase he the Rock down. He can chase him down. Uh, and then we have Tiger Talk coming up next, right? We do. That's a that's a tough You're one for Mike excited. Kelly and company. Well. They're struggling right now. It's, rough. it's hard to believe that they have a longer losing streak than SLU because it feels like the Billikens haven't won in a year. Mizzou's lost nine in a row. SLU's, quote, only at six in a row. But for both teams, if they were going to get the W, it was probably going to be this past Saturday. It seemed like for both. I still think Mizzou's got winnable games on the schedule in theory. In fact, three of their next four at home. But that doesn't fill me with much confidence, Martin. I think they've played better on the road than they have at home for whatever reason. Yet this, they've had two in a row that just really feel like disappointments. They played terribly against Arkansas. No redeeming qualities in that game. And you... Unless you win, I can't find, well, at least they hung in there against Vanderbilt, no. one of the worst teams in the country. There's nothing positive to take away from that. Well, we'll let Mike Kelly polish it up a little bit. That's, <laughs> that's his job, right, not Mike. ours. Uh, that's what's next right here on the Big 550 KTRS.